Hey everyone, you've reached the Where Man Podcast. We are back. <laughs> Sorry we're unavailable. We can't answer your phone call, but we'll yeah. get back to you. I thought that's where you're going with that. No, it's just it's been a long time. You wouldn't know it's been a long time. Hopefully you're just listening to all these in one giant, you know, you, you have like a day to you're, just... Yeah, you're binging. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, we did record an episode... Uh, a month ago, it did not make the final cut. We'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. But more, first of all, that. today is April 12th, 2016. I buy that, yeah. Um, where to start? It's been a while. Nick, what's new? How's it going? Literally nothing. Since February, March? Uh, it's slightly warmer than it was. I would argue it got colder. Yeah, you know, it, it probably did for a while, but then it, it came back up, which is which has been really nice, actually. You know, uh, the, the clocks changed. We went back. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? We had, a, we, had a, we had a party. We had a Harry Potter party. We had a Harry Potter party. We had, we had some guests for that. There uh, were guests. There yeah. were drinks. There were drinks. There, there were, were drinks. There were costumes. All the, yeah... A lot of costumes. A lot of costumes. There were some people that... Really cared. Yeah. Yeah. I know them in the outside world normally, so I only know them in costume. Oh, yeah. For but I assume know, those just, are what they do all the time. Yeah. Yeah, which is, yeah, it could be true. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's it That's it for me. Yeah. Um, what's new? While, I, while we haven't been recording, I have been going to... Adult writing classes mm-hmm. to kickstart, you know, some creative juices because I've been promising some, you know, script pages for this. Hasn't been happening, but I do have different uh, things I've been working on inspired by Wearman. We'll share those a little later. Mm-hmm. So I have been busy. Wearman has been on my mind. Haven't forgot about my, my listeners. Why I've, you know, I've checked. Facebook religiously. I've uh, I've checked all of your comments and messages, <laughs> and I take them into account. So, you know, we'll we'll, we'll even have <laughs> this um, is true. We ha- we have, I guess we have incorporated one hundred percent of the feedback that we've gotten. Yeah, and you know we appreciate how engaged everyone is with this podcast. Mm-hmm. It keeps us on our toes. We're not like, oh, it's not like anyone's listening. We should just do whatever we want. No. We get better every single time we do this. And for the record, Calvin is actually literally on his toes. He is perched in his seat like some sort of gargoyle bird. Um, it's a little terrifying, but there's at least, I think, like, <laughs> at least a couple feet in between us. So I think I'm, I think I'm okay. My joints hurt. Yeah. It, it's a poor choice. You should probably... When it, um, you good? <laughs> oh boy. I'm better now. <laughs> it's not different. Actually, <laughs> not strangely better. enough, one knee, one hundred. <clears throat> this knee totally alleviated a pain. Yeah. This one went down a little. Still, I, I can hold on. Well, we'll get through this yeah. part, and then I'll, I'll readjust. Okay, and the, and the audience definitely knows which knee you're referring to both times, because uh, because you gestured. And I'll give you a hint. 
No, I can't. I okay. can't think of something we should, clever. We should yeah. move on. We should, All right. yeah, we should move on. So, uh, you know what else happened, you know, in between uh, the last podcast, which we'll call Podcast 4, and this one, which we'll call Podcast 5, uh, Batman vs. Superman came out. Batman vs. Superman, which has been on my mind constantly. Oh, you're obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. And... It's like the right. movie killed your parents, and you were trying to become... Yeah, and now I seek something. justice for the yeah. rest of my life for that. Yeah, I just want to say, there's been so much mixed reviews, and Nick and I were, I'd say we're like medium level, um, superhero, comic invested people. Mm-hmm. We've read our share of the more popular graphic novels. Yeah. Um, of, of the better character of the two. Yeah. We, we know we know our our movies. We know we know good background stuff. Mm-hmm. Enough to take this movie with a lot of consideration for the future of the crap ton of superhero movies that are going to come from Marvel and now DC. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Having, all, having said all that, I thought that movie was unbelievably unique in how much there is to talk about. Now, now that's a weird review to, to have that because is, I'm not saying it's weird. neither good nor bad. I just think... It's bad. It's not good. No. I would say it was good for its ambition and its vision that it gets a lot of shit for because everyone chalks it up to just Zack Snyder. But I think... It creates. There was a very different tone and a very, more, a very adult-rated seriousness that I'm. I wouldn't say a superhero genre was lacking or needed, but I thought it was nice to see not the same things constantly coming out. That's true. It, it was a different tone than the Marvel movies. You know, Marvel's a bit lighter, um, and this one was was significantly darker yeah. uh, in its in its color choice. In its themes, anger faces. Its anger faces. Oh yeah, Ben Affleck was pissed. Yeah, he was a brooding motherfucker. Oh, and then he was upset in the movie, and then apparently in all the uh, in all the media um, events he did after the movie, yeah. he was just sad. So a lot of dark emotions for for Ben Affleck, who is gonna be able to write his own Batman movie. So apparently it, that's that's confirmed that he's or maybe directing his own is, is probably the better. I don't know if he's gonna write it, which is pretty awesome. I mean, it'll be interesting for like sure. Directing predecessors are the Town and Argo. I think those are really cool movies mm-hmm. to think about uh, as it'll, a backdrop for his works leading into Batman. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see like a standalone piece. You know, assuming he's playing Batman. Yeah. Um. You know, we're gonna get an older Batman. So be interested to see like what criminals are yeah. are uh, current for that that age. And it will be interesting to see how he pulls that character to do his own things and keep it very relevant, relevant and matter relevant, relevant. Mm-hmm. When they also have to balance his role in the planned Justice League movies. Yeah. And oh, he has a cameo in Suicide Squad. Dude, I was about to ask you that because I just saw the trailer that they released a couple days ago and it was like, wait, is, is that Batman? Like, fighting the Joker yeah. in the middle of the Suicide Squad movie? I have no idea how big the role is, but 
it's all in the same universe now. It's just a crazy juggling act. Yeah, I guess that could be really cool, especially, and, you know, this is really off topic, um, but if there's going to be a standalone Batman movie and Batman's in Suicide Squad, you know, it sort of leads you to believe, like, well, who is the Joker? You know, there's some some hints maybe in those trailers yeah. that uh, that someone in particular close to Batman is, is actually the Joker. Um... And, th- I mean, that could be fleshed out. Uh, I don't know how the world would feel for a third standalone Batman movie with the Joker as the... With a different Joker, you know, origin story or different Joker, you know, as the as the main villain. But I'm, I'm in. Yeah, I think they're in such a strange situation where they did... And speaking of why Batman vs. Superman is also fascinating, is, like, they did a reverse Marvel where they did no standalone movies... They just jumped into something to bring. Well, I mean, they did the the Cavill Superman. Right, Superman. Yeah, but no. But then Batman. Yeah. Yeah. So then they they try to combine two movies in one, mm-hmm. and introduce the rest of the the rest of their franchises, which they did such a shitty job of. I yeah, I personally did not like that. And we got like clips, and then like Wonder Woman might have been like one of the like most awkward like oh and she's here too <laughs> and like hey remember her from like two minutes three hours ago uh yeah she's wonder woman i have a whole other theory on how they could have done it but they didn't even have time for suicide squad but anyways the reason we even bring that up is because it's amazing to see this this stock of characters that you know of course they're going to be profitable. Of course they're always going to be in the movies. Mm-hmm. It's guaranteed fan base. It's, it was just such a bold and twisted, like, mixed success. Like, I would I would never say that was an incredible movie. But there's just so many things happening. There was alternate realities possibly in play. There was dealing with future. There's cities that aren't necessarily based in real world, like Gotham and Metropolis. Um... They, the, they took a huge swing at Lex Luthor as Jesse Eisenberg. Oh yeah, that was which is also a lot of mixed reviews. A lot yeah. of people didn't like it. Although part of this world is 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 made up, you know, Gotham and Metropolis, Turkish the, Airlines still exists in that yeah. universe. And that senator is from Kansas. No, 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 the the one that gets, well, no spoilers. Oh, spoiler alert: the one yeah. that the one that something happens to her. Yeah, I don't know. I the, think that it was from a real state. Sure. But anyways, for a for a movie and just a giant universe of projects to come in the next few years, it's just it's constantly on my mind on how much things they they strive to get done, mm-hmm. what things worked, what didn't. It's ambitious. Just, yeah, it was ambitious. It was ambitious, and I appreciate how many risks they did take rather than doing the same things we've seen. Not to say it was 100% original, but, you know, we're trying to make a movie ourselves and we're trying to see where we can push the envelope and we don't have those complexities. No one knows these characters. No one knows. But we also Mm -hmm. are dealing with werewolves. We can't be, you know, cliche with anything there. Small town, like creepy towny things. That's done a million times. Anyone who Mm -hmm. likes Twin Peaks, like... I need to watch Twin Peaks. Apparently, I have not 
I have not seen that. Apparently, we're walking right alongside some Twin Peakish. Uh, but I think tones. We we know the person whose dad wrote the theme song for Twin Peaks. What? Isn't like didn't James Landrum's dad write the theme to Twin Peaks? Larry Landrum. Alan. Alan Landrum. Alan. Alan. Um, no, it's a good point. It's a, it's a good point. You know, it's a it's a ambitious, very ambitious movie. Um, and you know, obviously, it's a it's a set of it's a high bar to have set for themselves. And, yeah, uh, it's definitely something that, you know we're going to set a high bar for us, ourselves because, like you said, you know, there's there's certain things that we can retread that we don't really want to. Yeah. We want to do something different with this, and that's what they set out to do. Yeah, yeah, and in that movie. They try to go, you know, darker and more serious, and we're trying to do a horror comedy. Yeah. And neither of us have ever, one, we've never even written a script, but we've also never written comedy, which is, as I'm learning, as I'm working on some, on these first pages, fucking hard, because I don't know exactly mm-hmm. how to land jokes or set up actual punchlines or things, or just leave spaces open for the characters to make them to make the jokes as the movie itself is filmed yeah, I don't know it, when, it, when do it seems like every means... every funny bit that we've gotten out of this so far everything that we found funny has been just sort of like a natural conversation that we've had about it um, but to sort of formalize it like that it makes it really strange where it's like if I write it down to paper that means I think it's really funny and if it's not funny but you put it on paper you're just like oh I guess yeah. Because this wasn't very funny after all. Two of my favorite shows of all time are The Office and Mad Men. Now, The Office is like super room for improvisation. Mm-hmm. And then there's obviously like my love for Steve Carell. And you know there's just some things you can never write on paper. Right. And then there's things in Mad Men where I think are also hilarious in their own right. But it's Matthew Weiner where everything is written to... Like, you can't change a single word he says. You mm-hmm. have to deliver it in a certain way. Even though they're actors and there's, like, you know, they have a range of expression. You can't miss a whiner beat in Mad Men. So, where is this script going to fall in that range? I have no idea. Uh, yeah, I would imagine it's it's definitely going to be something that's, that's probably more leaning towards... Um... Matthew Weiner. <laughs> because... We're gonna we're gonna hit it out we're, the park we're in this first try. Yeah. Well, I mean, I did come up with that one sight gag that I want to use um, from a Mel Gibson movie, a Mel Gibson movie where he plays a priest. I don't know how many more hints I can give you. Oh, wow! Yeah, you ain't no. I kid you not. <laughs> and he kills a person. <laughs> I kid you not, every time you said Mel Gibson, I heard Mel Brooks. So, that's why I looked so clueless. Yep. Mel, very, very different filmography. Very different. Very different Mel appreciation Brooks has Jews. Played a, I was going to say, has played a Jewish man in yeah. the movie. Uh, Mel Brooks. I'm sorry, Mel Gibson. Uh, blames them for Apocalypto? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, blames them for Apocalypto? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What a mashup of... Anyways, yeah, very different Mills in our lives. Very different Mills. Uh, but you know what's been on my mind? You know, if Batman versus Superman's been yeah. on your mind, Game of Thrones season six. 
Which brings us to our new sponsor, Game of Thrones Season 6. Yep, thank you HBO for uh, for paying for our free subscription to SoundCloud. Yep. Um, We're going to see how that works. Yeah. And, but Game of Thrones Season 6, by the way, is, is not our only... Um, not our only sponsor for this podcast. Uh, so it's Game of Thrones Season 6. It's also Nestle semi-sweet vacuum-sealed chocolate chips. You hear that rapping? Yeah. That is, uh, that is a bag that you can tell is fresh to death. Oh my because god. Because of how vacuum-sealed it was. Yeah. Like, yeah. they died in this bag. Delicious. That's weird. And, uh, and the third sponsor for our, our this podcast is the um, upcoming Nicolas Cage film. I think it's coming out in 2018. Uh, what is it? It is uh, Ghost Rent. Ghost Rent. Tagline, the check is in the grave. So thank you, Nick Cage, for that. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, it should be a real weird movie. We saw recently the documentary um, about... The original project he was attached to for Superman, mm-hmm. and I like to think, you know, we didn't get that weird movie, but we'll get Ghost Run. Yeah, we'll definitely get Ghost Run. I mean, we got uh, what was the movie he made where like his daughter disappears? Pay the Ghost. I think it's. I think that's actually what it was called. Was Pay the Ghost? Do you remember seeing a preview for that? Oh no! So it's Nicolas Cage, and he has a daughter, and they're at like Mardi Gras. And she's like 10 or something like that. Um, Good age for Mardi Gras. Yeah. And she disappears because she's kidnapped by ghosts. And uh, someone says to him with a straight face that he has to pay the ghosts in order to like get her back or something like that. Not like a ransom, but like maybe he wronged the ghosts before uh, or something like that. And he has to like get his daughter back. And I think his, his wife... Uh, they might be divorced. They might not be. It's a Nicolas Cage movie. They're probably divorced. Okay. Um, and it's, just, called, it's called Pay the Ghost. I just need to, to let everyone know, oh, I don't know how much you follow Nick Cage movies, but one of the movies we mentioned may not be real, and now I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, good luck guessing which one that is. Yeah. Um, so Game of Thrones Season 6. Game of Thrones Season 6. Comes out in 12 days. Yes. And we are bringing this up not only because they are our incredible new sponsors. Suck it, Shipyard. We don't need your beer. Oh, yeah. God, can you believe that? Was Shipyard our first sponsor? Uh, yeah, I think so. So the first podcast was in the fall because it was a pumpkin beer. Holy crap. We've really got to speed this up. Yeah, wow. We got to get better. Yeah. Yeah. So. But we, do have, we do have future plans for podcasts. We do. we do have podcast six lined up. We just got to figure out where we're going to put it. That's true. So, thank you, Game of Thrones. Our next podcast, we might have a whole new sponsor. We may not, and we might have a whole new streaming home site. Yeah, yeah. We got to we got to figure out what the best solution for us is. Uh, currently, Pod One is homeless. We've reached our SoundCloud um, ceiling. Yeah, and you so. guys give us a lot of backlash for that. Why oh, do yeah. you like the original episode one? Yeah. Oh, I, which I think everyone generally likes episode one of, of sort of long-term planning yeah, movies. Yeah, it's, it's fair. Like, especially if, you know, you get, uh, it's recommended to you. 
Yeah. You want so to like, start from the beginning. The first Ghostbusters, uh, Phantom Menace. Yeah. Um, Phantom Menace, definitely. Phantom definitely Menace. Phantom yeah. Menace. I put Phantom Menace up with, with Fellowship. Yeah. As, as in terms of uh, I like length. to think of episode one as our Jar Jar Binks. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, so episode one is currently not available. We are looking for either upgrading and, you know, paying. Well, we gotta, have we, gotta, we gotta pay the ghosts, you know what I mean? <laughs> ghost rent. Yeah, and. Hashtag ghost rent. Our plan, our hope is to have everything always available to our fans. Yeah. And also um, available to download. Maybe you're in a space where you can't just be constantly streaming. Yeah. You don't have, uh, you know. A good connection to stream, and you want to just have it all. You're you're on an airplane. Oh yeah, an airplane or like a super long bus trip. There are very specific yeah. instances, or you've like hit your data cap. Yeah. On your phone, you know. Backlog all the stuff. At we once. don't actually get an extra charges. From, no. From those cell phone carriers. That is not what Wearman is about. No, we're anti cell phone carriers. Yeah, Wearman. Where we're all about. HBO season six of Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, coming back in a few uh, weeks. It's exciting. I'm gonna make a bold prediction on this podcast about Game of Thrones season six, and I don't know any better. There are no books to steal from. Well, let me just ask you right now. Yeah, is do you have to make this prediction based on our sponsorship or because you just love this show? I'm I'm making this this prediction because I love this show and because I want to go on record. 12 wow. days before the season starts. Does everyone hear that? We're going to have to put this up really fast so this can go on record. <laughs> oh, this will definitely go on, but we've 12, I have 12 days. Um, Christmas. I think John Stark will be King of the North. Oh, no, so my prediction is that, um, remember in season three, Rob writes down a will? Because, um, like, at this point he thinks, like, all his siblings are dead. Is that in the Spoiler. show or just in the book? I think it was in both. I think it was in both. I just remember, like, really liking his wife in the book. In the show. Oh, the she's book. way better than the one in the book. The one in the book sucks. Jane Westerling. Yeah. Yeah, no one likes her. Well, just, like, in terms of... Because could, they couldn't get pregnant. So that's why it was definitely a thing in the book that he wrote that will. Yeah. But I thought he also did it in the show, too. Well, I, I think I think he named John his heir. And I think that comes out in this season as John Whoa. is dead. I think he somehow gets resurrected. I'm going to say Nargles is how he gets resurrected. And, uh, and the will comes out and everybody is on his side to, to reclaim Nargles. Um, I'm going to make a bold same a bold prediction myself mm-hmm. that same will yeah I do believe that he liked to keep in the family Jon Snow was a bastard cannot inherit anything I believe well he, he could gave, I mean Rob could have named him he could have legitimized him because he, he was at a power that's true it's king that's very true king, I believe king he North. gave all of his Dominionship to Uncle Blackfish. Uncle Blackfish. Yep, and there will be a Blackfish Rebellion. 
He wouldn't have called him against the phrase. I don't know. I like it though. Yeah, I really like the the Br- name. Brendan, of... I think it's his actual name, Brendan Tully. Yeah. 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 So he's named after Blood Raven. That was really? Like, yeah, I think I think. Oh, that's and that, that leads mentioned. to so many other ties to yeah. what's coming up next. Uh, this season's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be good. Yeah, I'm I'm jacked to the tits. Thanks again to our sponsors, HBO, for us being excited for season six because yeah. a certain author is not going to have book oh, that, six that ready. That book is not going to be ready until yeah. probably Trump's second term. We Ooh. dark. See, that's Batman vs. Superman dark. <laughs> and that's why that movie was it was good in yeah. some ways. Do you think he was he was president in the that timeline of... Yes. Yeah. In, in the desert scene where Superman is killing people. And so is Batman. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump is, yeah. Oh yeah, president. There. Yeah, Batman kills people. Yeah, a lot of people are having problems with that too. Um, no, because I think I, I think he's at a stage in his career where something awful has happened. That's what I thought. I was yeah. just like, shit is going down in this Shit's reality. Going real. We'll find out. We'll find out like the the myriad of movies that yeah. come out. And for anyone who does not like, you know, Batman killing people. Um, He's always may- killed people. Yeah. It just like hasn't been as pronounced. Yeah, it's just uh, directors choosing to like hide it off screen. Yeah, and, and like just like being he was the dark about he it. He just like pushes people down like a twenty-story building, and we're yeah. supposed to be like they're fine. You still hear like things like definitely break. Oh yeah, he blows. Um, Michael Keaton blows people up. He like hands a guy a grenade and like walks away. Oh yeah, and that guy's definitely dead. The, the guy with the swords. How did he? How did he beat him? He didn't. Oh, I uh, was it the car? Did he use the car at that point? No, that this was, was on top of the tower. Oh no, no, no! The guy with the swords. Got the swords on the ground. It's on the ground. Yeah. I because he like does all this. Maybe he just like punches him. I think he just punches him. Yeah, but he the definitely killed the tower. People. I feel like he threw down the tower. Oh, he threw down while holding a grenade. Wow. So the guy was like, "We need to rewatch that." Yeah, those are those are good. Yeah, those are good. Oh, so, for anyone who doesn't like, you know, good guys killing people, we're not, I'm not going to say that's necessarily going to be a wear man, but there is going to be some death. We don't have a planned uh, rating for this movie, but if it gets rated R, if it bumps up, mm-hmm. we're, we need to we need to have the stakes at a certain height. I think it's a, a really hor- good And it's a horror set. comedy, yeah, so I think R we need to be good. afraid. Yeah, you know? ours is a really good goal to set. Cause I think if we if we like shoot for PG thirteen, Will Ferrell might have to be in it, and no one at this at this at this stage, no, no one wants that. Well, PG thirteen I think is interesting because like superhero movies, you need to play by certain rules, mm-hmm. which is what makes some of them so cheesy. But then the ones that are done right are the same. Or they are this they they play by the same exceptions and breaking rules away like Indiana Jones is so memorable, like Indiana Jones is in no way like a dark movie and yet there's like melting faces, Nazis, and Nazis, yeah. yeah, and really huge stakes like so uh, some good intrigue going yeah, there. Yeah, uh, Crystal Skulls. I'm sorry, I we're gonna have to take a. Yeah, Quick should. commercial break, because anytime someone mentions Crystal Skulls, it feels like uh, an angel that. lost its wings. I'm sorry. Where were we? All right, so 
I feel like we did a whole bunch of catching up. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, everyone is um, is up to date with our Wearman story points, where we've gotten to in the past. Yeah. Uh, let's say let let's how how brief can we recap what we've done so far? Let's go over the the broadest strokes. Well, see, so this is where I'm concerned because we tried doing that in the last episode. And the, the entirety of the episode was a recap. Let's say there were a lot of problems with the last episode. <laughs> yeah. Legally, now, we can't say all of the problems. Yeah. With, Let's just say with the last um, episode. we promised you guests. We brought three guests. Um, they, they had tons of ideas. They were excited to be on it. And then when push think, came to shove... I don't think they, either of that was true. I want to say they they showed a lot of enthusiasm and excitement before it actually came down to oh, it. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. And when it came time to record, one of them fell asleep. Yeah. The other one, right before we started recording, says, I can't do this. I'm not going to talk. <laughs> yeah. So he opted for that, yeah. which was not an option. So then one of us, you know... So then the other one, I think, you know, just talk, you just just chatted with us, but we were mm-hmm. trying to carry it, and the only thing we got out of the last episode is the idea of having multiple chameleon actors. Mm-hmm. Now, what do we mean by chameleon actors? Calvin, what do you mean by chameleon actors? We're talking... The people that maybe you don't know as the A-list people by name, but you've seen them in tons of movies. Oh, like Ben Mendelsohn. Ben fucking Mendelsohn. Mm-hmm. Or, who's our favorite... Who's the scene stealer of the Hunger Game franchise? Nicolas Cage. Oh, what? Ben Mendelsohn? You're right, Stanley Tucci. There we go. The Tooch! Stanley Tucci... Ben Mendelsohn, uh, Michael Pena. Oh yeah, he's had a fantastic year. Yeah. Uh, so they, so we brought up in this last episode the term chameleon. Uh, Nick and I have have also used the term secret MVP of a movie. Yeah, and that's awarded to anyone who's not one of the top build people, mm-hmm. but they they steal the show anyways. Mm-hmm. And really Michael Pena is like a multiple secret MVP winner. He is the LeBron James of the secret MVP category. I would ben ben Mendelsohn is on his way. Uh, I haven't seen Bloodline on Netflix. I heard he's already secret MVP of Did that. Did you say Blurred Lines? That's when we cue the music. Oh, it's going to yeah. be that our, we don't have any more werewolf, werewolf songs. We're out of werewolf so songs. Just yeah. Blurred Lines. Blurred Lines for yeah. the rest of the podcast. Yeah, so Mendelsohn... Mm-hmm. Keep an eye out for that motherfucker. He's been terrific in everything he does. Uh, Stanley Tucci for I think for, what for like twenty five years. Who ben Mendelsohn is by the way. He is the guy at the beginning of the Dark Knight who is running the mob bank, who has the shotgun. He shoots the one of the clowns and he says, "Not, not him." That's not him. That's not him. Who's Ben Mendelsohn? Ben Mendelsohn was. The guy in Dark Knight Rises. 
that oh. I was like, I paid you a small fortune, and Bane's like, so you think you have power over me? And then, and then crushes his well, face. Who's the you and your friends are dead guy? That is uh, uh, William Fickner. Oh, yeah. Fickner? Yeah. Finchner? Finch. I think it's Finchner. You're right. Yeah. No, that guy, I... Mm, Oh, he's in it. He's terrific, but he's not hes not a chameleon. Fitchner. He, he plays Fitchner. certain types of roles. More oh, we're than, getting more him, too, because you, you and your friends are dead. I don't know. He seems pretty busy in Independence Day Resurgent. Oh, yeah. Well, they already filmed that. Seems busy. <laughs> he's not a chameleon. He's not relevant for this discussion. Okay, so Ben Ben Mendelsohn yeah. is not the you and your friends are dead guy. So. Um, okay. A top-billed chameleon example wouldn't necessarily be in this class, but uh, formerly, rest in peace, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, for sure. Just yeah. scene stealer mm-hmm. can you know can Very just transform. Range. Yeah, yeah can, you'd can, can you'd believe him in any character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christian Bale, which is an interesting chameleon because he's considered um, top-billed. But I think he's notoriously known for not necessarily caring most movies. No one goes to, wants to see. No one goes to the theaters to see a Christian Bale movie. I think that was also a reason why uh, Christopher Nolan had like an ensemble cast for Batman. He mm-hmm. made sure to like hire other notable people. Yeah. Um, uh, when Christian Bale was in uh, David O. Russell movies like American Hustle, more ensembles. Mm-hmm. He's one of the main people, but. The fighter Mark Wahlberg is the is the actually like the name I think people would actually go to see. True. So I think chameleon yeah. actors. It, it's it's actually strange that there's different tiers of them and they're all incredible, but they're actually never the ones that that can carry a movie or get audiences. And because of that, we're gonna have them all in our movie because mm-hmm. we love them and we appreciate them and hopefully we can afford them. But by saying afford them, you mean not Christian Bale because we said he's just high, the highest chameleon in the food chain at the moment. Yeah, I, I think um, I think two things I thought of when you when you said Christian Bale. One, I thought you said Christian Slater, and so I was really confused. That's why your eyes uh, were just like, huh? Yeah, I, yeah. It just fair. took me a second. Sorry, Christian uh, Slater. Two, you're just not in that list. We we probably couldn't afford Christian Bale. Yeah, yeah, but you know, who knows? But I also wouldn't like him to yell at my sound guy. Oh, yeah. There's a lot to unpack with, yeah. it seems, with, with the bail stir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Ben Mendelsohn. So, William Fitchner. Multiple chameleons. Sounds good. And it leads to a quote that I thought about from, our, from one of our favorite chameleons, Stanley Tucci, from the movie Spotlight. That was uh, the Academy Award darling this year in best song rights. Best supporting picture. Right? Best picture. Best supporting picture. It was it was uh it was stirring. It was smart. I still really political. I need to see it. Oh. Yeah. So spoiler alerts, it's stirring. Yep. And uh can't trust the church. Well, you know, in that movie. I'm making religious stances here. Oh yeah, but in spotlight, way to alienate. You cannot trust our the largest, church. Uh, 
listenership when uh, the Vatican I do not Vatican know. loves us yeah you gotta, you gotta look at our advanced stats wow <laughs> we kill it in Vatican City is this revealing that I haven't really checked anyone's Facebook messages because uh, they would say like love it <laughs> like I love it my tiny little country town yeah uh, um, Pope supports you yeah he, he probably does he's like a nice guy yeah. Uh, anyway, you're, yeah. you're... So, Stanley Tucci plays a lawyer that represents uh, some of the victims of the uh, sexual molestation cases that are, um, you know, the big, you know, the, the plot of Spotlight. And he's from another country. I'm sorry, I only saw it once back in October. I do not remember where he's from. And I kind of just pulled this together right before we were potting so I don't have that information. He's talking to Mark Ruffalo's journalist character who's also from uh, a different country. Yep, a different country. Neither of them are native Bostonians where Spotlight is set. And And he's telling Mark Ruffalo why he works so diligently, why he doesn't have a family, why he, why he has this kind of crusade menta- mentality against, you know, these powerful entities like the church. And in the simplest terms, he says something along the lines of, people like them, you know, outsiders, they can see something different. They, they can tell when something is not necessarily right or, or something's out of place. And I thought it was a very nice bit of dialogue and a nice little uh, thing that kind of makes me think of what we're trying to do with Wearman, especially from the eyes of Gertrude's kid, mm-hmm. which is going to be one of the main characters. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the sidekick to Steve Carell. And that's how we're, you're going to meet the town of Maple. It's going to be through an outsider's eyes. Mm -hmm. A young kid's eyes, too. So you're also going to just see from a perspective that maybe he doesn't see everything. Um, Maybe he doesn't think things are exactly correct. Or maybe he's Mm -hmm. suspicious of stuff. But is that just in the head of a 13-year-old kid who's uncomfortable in his surroundings? Mm -hmm. Is he looking for those things? Or are they actually there? So... I thought that was just a perfect idea of a chameleon that we appreciate giving advice to the movie that we're creating. Yeah, and I think the chameleon piece ties in really well. Um, you know, especially with what we want to do for these townspeople. Um, you know, I think we originally started off where they were kind of just sort of like one or two dimensional. Um, Very. Yeah. You know, sort of caricatures mm-hmm. of of certain things we wanted to show, but. Um, but, you know, because we're going to be introduced to them and, um, you know, at least initially, um, what we're going to see is interactions with them. Mm-hmm. It's going to be through, right, through through the kid as, like, our vessel, as our, yeah. um, you know, eyes and ears. We're going to need some adaptability from, from our, our characters, from our actors um, yeah. to, you know, go one way or another. And especially, you know, if there's going to be you know, a central mystery to this film, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're going to be the ones who are going to have to, you know, sort of push that along. Yeah. yeah. Especially at first. Um, when, you know, when a kid gets a strange look from 
one of the locals. Mm-hmm. You know, is it is it Stanley Tucci put uh, giving off a um, Lovely Bones murdery look? Yeah. Or is it uh, a Stanley Tucci just semi creepy? Uh, Caesar Flickerman from The Hunger Games. So when you said that, I was just picturing him as Caesar in that costume, just in Mabel. It's just like the pink hair and the, just a microphone. Mm. Is it <laughs> just, just weird to the kid? He's just interviewing people. Um, or yeah, or let's say Ben Mendelsohn is loading up his car with just boxes of meat. Is his name Daggett in Dark Knight Rises? Daggett? That, that sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah. You, you and your friends are dead. That guy? Daggett. No, not that guy. That was close. Yeah. Um, what's Wait, a, what's loading he's, up a meat truck? No, he's loading up his car with a uh, box of meat. And you're like, well, maybe he's a butcher. Or maybe, you know, that's, that's yeah. a part of the werewolf mystery. You know, that's probably not going to happen. I don't think we're going to have him do that. Um, yeah, but stuff um, like that. So, you know, some, like, some interesting, like, it's going to draw the attention of the kid. But maybe it shouldn't. Maybe it should. You know, we don't know. Um, but, uh... Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, so, that's going to be something that you can keep an eye out for in part two that we've already been discussing, how we're mm-hmm. going to approach uh, the true detective element in which, as you already know, Gertrude goes missing immediately in our story. Mm-hmm. And... Then well, we then we go somewhat back immediately. somewhat immediately. Yeah, um, it it it's the first scene alludes to her disappearance. Right, and then we see what sets up before she disappears. Mm-hmm. So, in some capacity, in Act Two, she has to be found, or she or there needs to be some uh, investigating, some detecting. Yeah, and uh, that's true. Some true detecting synergy season one. Oh yeah, season yeah. one. Good S- God! So uh, is there gonna be a season three of that? I think so because okay. you can just with, with the the way they set it up, right? They're just gonna have, do anything. They're gonna be really excited with a whole new cast. Yeah, God, I hope it's better. So yeah, two. people are gonna be interested to see if they can bounce back. Yeah, they fell from grace. Now maybe they're like a little bit of an underdog. True detective? Can they come back? If they don't immediately come back, then they're done. Yeah, I yeah, I don't think they can afford. Um, which is a shame because like I would I would really like to see a continuation of the story of um, season one. The Yellow King. Yeah, I mean there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. The the paranoia begins mm-hmm. pretty much because in Act One uh, Gertrude is the first big disappearance. Maybe other things, smaller things have happened, but Act Two is when she really sets off the yeah. um, the larger moving yeah. pieces of the film. Especially in the eyes of our our main characters, mm-hmm. the kid and Steve Carell. So <clears throat> they start seeing people with with an extra with an extra look, like yeah. Do I trust everything they say and do as much as I did before? Or, in terms of the kid, should I have ever trusted them? Is anyone who they say they are? My mom is missing. Right. 
So Act Two is going to get very interesting with the chameleons. Yeah, and it, I think it'll be good because, like, um, to sort of contrast the kid with Steve Carell. You know, Steve Carell's been in this town his entire life. Yeah. Um, there really is sort of like a veil over your eyes, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of what you actually see, you know, because you're just so used to the, the day in, day out. Yeah. You don't even really pay attention to the details anymore. It's sort of just like, you know how, um, or maybe maybe you don't, and, and I'm sorry, um, but like when you're driving for a really long time, mm-hmm. you sort of forget, like, how did I just spend four hours driving? Like, was I even really paying attention? And of course yeah. you were at the time, but it sort of just like blurs together nothing registered yeah nothing really registers from that time um which i think is sort of similar how how Carell would view the world around him is he just doesn't isn't really an active participant or an active you know um paying attention to attention or to Mm -hmm. um whereas the kid you know is because he's new uh it's going to be immediately going to like pick up on all these things and i think it's really going to be important for their detective work and their relationship building in, in Act Two. Yeah. Um, in terms of and we're 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 talking about Act Two, which I think is totally cool. Um, except I'm still currently writing just the beginning of <laughs> mm-hmm. Act One. I think I am going to have to read some like Sherlock Holmes or something to get a good. Uh, oh yeah, to sort of put us in the feel. Yeah, so yeah. I don't have some some bullshit like oh of course that clue is right there and like everything is just you know just hand delivered and it's mm-hmm. not a compelling case there was something about true detective where you know you have McConaughey's character digging digging deep and like doing all the the, the things involved but it was also a matter of um, of like taking those extra steps further down rabbit holes that you're normally afraid to take so like um, I want to I want to make sure that even though we don't know what clues that they're gonna be mm-hmm. I want to know and we certainly wouldn't say yeah <laughs> I want to know <laughs> good try computer yeah brought to you by HBO's Game of Thrones <laughs> coming out I actually don't know the day it comes it's, Sunday it's sometime 12 days from now 12 days today is the 12 12 so. 12 plus 12 is Ben Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. Chameleon. Roger HBO. Yeah, so I I want to I want to have um I want I want the kid and Steve to 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 earn their detecting stripes. Mm-hmm. Which is going to be tough because act 2 is, you know, technically only like half an hour 40 minutes, but what they do discover, it's because, you know, in some way they're braver than they normally would be. Or, like we were saying, they see something that they, that any other time wouldn't have clicked as something odd. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Or, or, like, those first moments where the kid is very perceptive of what's going on around him. Um, he's, you know, he's going to remember things from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that experience we're going to be able to draw from. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, like, you know, sort of harken back to the beginning of the movie... Because uh, um, I think really effective movies are the ones that can kind of like um, almost like sleight of hand show you what's Everything. important. Yeah, and you don't um, know. And it. you just yeah. don't even you don't even really notice. Not in like a usual suspect sort of way, mm-hmm. where it's like it's all in the one room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but spoiler alert. Um, but just in a sense of um, 
you know, not really, not really hiding anything, not really pulling anything, and, and so that way, as the movie progresses, you were like, oh my god, this was in front of us yeah. the entire time, and we just had no idea. And this is not even a joke, but HBO's Game of Thrones, when you rewatch those first episodes of season one, mm-hmm. holy shit, they do such a good job. Yeah. Five seasons later, every piece of dialogue, everything everyone says is loaded in like four different ways. Well, I think it's I think really a lot of that is is George. Is, it, it is. Yeah. It is the book. Yes. Um, but because like, but they they they. For everything that you can't put in that show, mm-hmm. man, like, it's so fun rewatching it's, it. It's ridiculous, yeah. Because you know, even though, like, they're taking different directions now as, you know, the book and the shows steer in different directions, mm-hmm. it's so exciting how much they, uh, <laughs> they foreshadow. It's brilliant. Uh, yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. I, I would love for us to get a 1% of, like, what they pull off in that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's Act Two. Yeah. So two. so we we do sort of have a structure of, of one and two, but you've got uh I I heard a I heard a rumor. Uh, uh that you've got rumor has it. Really? That's Duffy. Duff. I don't. No, I thought that was uh. Adele? Is that Adele? I thought so, right? Oh, man. We might both be just totally wrong. It sounds like Adele. I think you're right. Yeah, that's what that was the impression that I got, was it sounds like her voice. And Duffy doesn't sound... That's her name, right? Hilary Duff. No. Duffy is the one that sings... Uh, oh, that's a different person? I'm positive her name is Duffy. The Vampire Slayer? No, that's the Duff Man. <laughs> Duff Man. Alright, guys. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We are on the uh, we are on the last leg of this podcast. So oh, we're yeah. going to we're gonna finish off with an original piece that I was speaking about earlier that I actually wrote in one of my writing classes. Um, every week or so we had a different prompt and we had to develop short stories or um, things that, that were supposed to exercise different writing muscles that we wouldn't necessarily be, you know, naturally inclined to use. All of our styles are, uh, are, are based on our strengths rather than our weaknesses in writing. Mm-hmm. And I found myself trying also to avoid uh, the things I, I know go into all of my writing but what I couldn't avoid was my inspiration which were the characters and the plots from Wereman. So this is not something that will be necessarily compl- necessarily um, in the movie or completely used but it is going to have it, this is a template for what I have so far for the main kid, who I named Lyle, and it's from his perspective about his arrival to Maple. So you get a good sense of, you know, uh, of who this kid is entering this small sleepy town 
and how he kind of feels about it, and a little about his relationship with his mother, Gertrude. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm just going to read it. It's, it's pretty brief. And uh, everyone, if you can think of this quote as I, as I read it. Who's the quote by? It's from Antoine de Sonic Supery. I'm sorry, de Sonic Supery, so the Supersonic? Is that what this guy is? Antoine de Saint? De Saint? That's uh, de Saint. Okay, sure. De Saint. Exupery. Exupery. You know, when you, when you, um, this is just, when you're a writer, you know, <laughs> you, uh, you just know quotes from other famous writers. Oh, sure. You're not looking at anything. Yeah. So, like, Nick, you haven't been starting to write the pages yet, but when you do, All it'll just flood. Yeah. Yeah, just exuberant quotes. Just, yeah. All over. Oh, so, boy. Yeah. So, That's get ready. Seems problematic. So, we'll, st- we'll start off with this quote to okay. get everyone settled in. Mm-hmm. I'll do my piece. And then everyone have a lovely night, or if you're reading this during the day, just have a good day. No one's one's reading this. There's no transcript. Alright, here's the quote. If you want to build a ship, don't drum up the men together, Wood. Divide the work and give order. Instead, teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. Antoine de saint Exupéry. So it doesn't have much to do with what I'm about to read. <laughs> it's a great quote. It's a great quote. That I knew off the top of my head. Because inspiration is what's important yes. in, in any endeavor. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I get it. You you found you found the pearl. Yeah. You found the MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. Nick MacGuffin close right here. Alright. Here is the piece. Um, I'm also not good at naming any of my pieces, so everyone would have these, like, titles that they definitely worked on. Mine is just called New in Town, because, because the kid Lyle will be new in town, and one of my favorite, you know, comedies is a stand-up routine called New in Town by John Mulaney. Here we go. <clears throat> new in Town. My mom has finally lost her mind. I left almost everything. I had way more space to to pack up my luggage, but she yanked me by the arm harder than ever before. I wanted to flip my shit, but I saw in her face that something was bothering her and it wasn't me. So the drive was quiet. I wanted her to know that I was not cool with the way she disrespected my life. She also better know what she's doing here because this town is way creepy. Through the windows, I see more and more shops that I will never enter. Everyone walking owns a quilted vest and a worn-out hat. A man spotted me staring at him and just tipped his busted-ass hat bill, grinning the way my grandma does. My grandma's funny in her old ways. She would never want to live here. She was born in that bomb shelter era, where everyone was getting excited about nuking dinners and drinking melted blocks of orange juice stuff. Coke was five cents. Five cents! My friend Ty drinks four cans of Coke every single day. The school tried to make a fuss about it, but they know they can't because they would just be hypocrites and have to take out the machine in the teacher's lounge. My teacher, Mr. Monroe, would try to find a new fact to show us that processed sugars would kill us. I never admitted to anyone, but that always bothered me, and now I only drink one can of Red Bull a day now. 
While we were learning at the end of last year about oil tycoons and robber barons of America, I decided to test my own skill at betting futures. I say, hey, if I'm suddenly going to croak for one Red Bull, I'll at least outlive tie for 20 years, right? Jack and I have a bet going on that. I thought it was kind of fucked up that Jet bet on me dying before Ty, but I'll forgive him when he hands over the $75 at Ty's funeral. But now it's up for me to keep in touch with Jack, so Ty can die first and I can get my cash. Thanks, Mom. School starts in a week, and once again, I'm going to be the new kid. Even though we didn't see her much, I will miss my grandma too. There would be times she would play it up being annoying just to give my mom a hassle. She would smile just so I can see, and even though it was pretty fucked up, I like that my mom's getting played by a pro. One of the times we would visit my grandma would be during the holidays, just the three of us. She loved to watch It's a Wonderful Life, which I used to love too, but now I just can't stand it. If I was George Bailey, and I was going to kill myself, I would have at least brought down my idiot uncle Mr. Potter with me. Why would I kill myself after everything I did for everyone? Fuck that. Well, now if I'm lucky enough to live George Bailey's life right, although I can't off myself, not while Ty is standing. This town is straight up Bedford Falls. On Main Street, there's a stationery store next to an ice cream parlor, next to an antique shop. This is gonna suck so hard. My mom has finally lost her mind. I left almost everything. The drive was quiet. I should have asked her what was happening, but I wanted her to know that I was not cool with the way she disrespected my life. Still, we're stuck in Bedford Falls together, and we'll have to look out for each other the way we always have. I like it. The end. I like it a lot. I sort of like, I, for a second, I forgot there was a point. <laughs> like, not like, Fair. No, no, no. no yeah. I'm like, I started like, where getting, is it going? Getting, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. I, I was sort of getting lost in like what he was talking about. I forgot this was like where man specific. Yes. And I started thinking about, you know, kind of the, the universe. That wasn't a diss. I didn't say it was pointless. I'm saying like, I started like thinking of like about what he was talking about <laughs> and not about how it fit in with, um, with the Wearman. So I like it. Yeah. Um, I included the It's a Wonderful Life, which I think we've already mentioned. Yeah. I, plays I, a certain... did, I did pick up on the, I think that's where it, I, it sort of reminded me to come back a little bit <laughs> was that, um, was the comparison with Steve Carell in this town and It's a Wonderful Life and, uh, and Mr. Potter. Yep. So yeah. Steve Crow will have some George Baileyisms, and mm-hmm. he's already thinking he's gonna Lyle's gonna be a George Bailey himself. Some parallels. Yep. Some, some real parallels. Um, I don't know if it will make it to the screen page, but uh, <laughs> so the kids call it the screen page. <laughs> Like Shakespeare always says, never bring a play to a screen, to a screenwriting party. Uh, no, a screenwriting fight. You get you get fight. It. We'll, Shakespeare. We'll tell that story. Yeah. Another day. Um, or you will. I I don't know how much it'll be included, but it's interesting to hear that uh, he knows his grandma. Mm-hmm. Um. Because in the same pe- in the same thing I wrote, it does sound like him and Gertrude are on the road a lot. That th- he's been the new kid in town more than once. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, you know, this is something we're gonna workshop a little more, especially as we wrap up Act One. But if Gertrude has this past that may connect her to 
werewolf mythology or something that mm-hmm. leads her to Maple, Bedford Falls Maple. What exactly um, is is her and Lyle's background? Mm-hmm. And does he even get to know his grandmother? Is that something that will give him the luxury of having some idea of family familiarity and getting pulled from that? Yeah. Which we can get some good stuff out of. Or is he just like him and him and Gertrude? Is he a wanderer? How long has Gertrude's past with werewolves gone for? Mm-hmm. I mean, we still it, it could be both. Yeah. Um, you know, thinking about you know his connection with his grandmother, um, that could sort of be what sort of pulls him out of um, you know his like isolation when he first comes. Mm-hmm. Is um, you know we've talked about Steve Carell's mom still being present, albeit in kind of like a weird way, like maybe mm-hmm. his grandmother was um, in his experience. Um, so that could be what kind of centralizes him is yeah. even though you know maybe he, he's been the new kid a lot and they've been on the road a ton you know maybe maybe that sort of draws him out of his um, isolation is that like you know parallel between Steve Carell's mom who would be a grandmother to him yeah um, sure. and his own his own grandmother so yeah. so it does op- definitely opens up a door for um, us expanding on uh, Carell's mom even if you know show up a limited role like we were saying before she won't be a one-dimensional character per se right if she no. can have a certain connection with no, I think this is really good I think a lot of this work you know fleshes out um, you know the a lot of the original ideas that we had which were, were sort of like if you think of them as just like you know um, names on, on a page or something like that yeah um, to sort of become you know what we can envision as a three-dimensional object when we when we lie back on our couch and and put the uh, Put the old fingers yep. in a in a rectangle so we could see the movie in our heads yeah. as regular sane people do. Because uh, we're street fighters. Because we're, we're both street fighters. <laughs> Us and Kevin Smith. Um, oh, we'll be able to we'll be able to do it. We'll be able to, to picture and visualize. You know, and uh, if I didn't make it clear before, the uh, the prompt for this assignment was from. A point of view or a voice that you don't normally do mm-hmm. so in the other things I've written it's usually um, is it third person that's the that's like the general writing where it's like uh, Steve looked across the room and there's like dialogue oh yeah so in this instance yeah. it's, it's first person that's the way I like to write so yeah this is yeah. first person from the view of a 13 year old kid which mm-hmm. I had no idea if I right that was an age you skipped you went from 12 to 14. Little known fact for our listeners. Calvin was never 13 years old. So I really didn't know. If yeah, I was exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I like that, you know, it's it's the first, uh, even more than we have for Steve at this point, we have like that first scene of, you know, like banter with, with uh, Deputy Cody. Mm-hmm. But... This is like the most voice we have so far. Yeah, and so. it's good. And I, I think I think as we've gone further along and as you put more work into Lyle or the kid in particular, mm-hmm. I think we realize, um, you know, we call him Steve Carell's sidekick, but I think he's really sort of the uh, the avatar yeah. for our film. Like, yeah. I really think a lot of this unfolds in front of his eyes. So he might be the most important, um, most important piece to this, and it was something maybe we didn't even realize yeah. at the start. And unlike all of the uh, other characters that we're kind of hoping to get some influence from the actors who will be playing them, mm-hmm. we have nothing for this kid. Yeah. 
there's no yeah, child he's, actor he's, that we're looking forward to cast. He's kind of a blank slate currently. Yeah, he so sort of we, we, we need, we want, to, we need to put in the most work on yeah, it. Yeah, which I think is really good. You know, we don't really have an archetype for him, so yeah. we're able to really kind of build him as, as we need him and as we see him. Yeah. Which he's, is, and not like fit him in, you know, elsewhere. He's gonna, he's gotta have the ability to Batman, True Detective it, and Act 2. He has to play like a... He has to show us the world through his eyes and, mm-hmm. you know, have a compelling relationship with his mother in Act 1. And Act 3, which we have no clue what the fuck's going to happen yet. Nope. He's going to have to do something else. Yeah. So, it's exciting. So it is exciting. The first step into the kid slash Lyle. And I think that's a good place to leave you, listeners. Yeah, you guys, you guys have to pretend like you're still doing work while you're at work. So, yeah. now it's so, a good break. So I think this is good. Um, we're going to send you off right with some classic Duffy music. Classic Duffy music. Yeah. And uh, until next time, this is uh, Calvin and Ben Mendelson. And this is the Wearman Podcast. Thanks for listening. Kick Have- it, Duffy.